Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a, as always, we've got a great show for you this evening. We're going to be joined here uh, in just a moment with two great professionals uh, rounding out the uh, panel tonight on Coach's Corner. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Kelly O'Donnell. He is the Director of uh, Golf Operations at uh, Nemecolon uh, Resort up in Pennsylvania. He'll be coming on and talking a little bit about the resort and a little bit about his uh, experience as a uh, golf professional, and we'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. Um, just a reminder, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network, and the best way to find us uh, is to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive, and we will be there front and center from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, on the network, and for some reason, if you can't tune in live, uh, just go to that same link, and you can scroll down uh, to the on-demand section, and all of the shows, even though they are live uh, on their broadcast night, uh, are auto-recorded, so you can go and listen to uh, when it's convenient for you at a later point. So, again, just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. All right, I'm going to introduce tonight's panel. Uh, once again, joining me here on the panel is Sue Weger. She is a number one best-selling international author, uh, motivational speaker, and peak performance coach. Uh, she is a 24-plus year LPJ uh, class A uh, golf professional and the owner of Uyghur Consulting LLC. And also, I'm uh, excited to welcome back to the panel. He hasn't been on the show for a little while. Uh, James Kyle, he's a PJ professional and coach at Eastwood uh, Woodland, excuse me, Lake uh, Country Club. Uh, Thirty years ago, he began his journey as a professional golfer and coach. And the incredible experiences uh, James has had while improving his own swing, uh, fitness training, traveling, competing on mini tours, and uh, two PGA. Uh, tour qualifying schools has helped elevate his ability to provide incredible lessons uh, for all of his clients. So, uh, James, welcome back. And, Sue, as always, welcome to the Coach's Corner panel. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. So um, what I'm going to do is we're going to talk about um, some of the things that really make a good golf coach. Um, you know, we always hear about you know what to do to look for one and, and some of the traits, and there's, there's roughly about seven. There's, I'm sure, more than that. Um, but we're going to talk about that. And, and um, James, I'm not going to throw you under the bus right away uh, just because I know it's, uh, you're just new back here. I know you've been uh, doing this before, but it's been a little while. So, Sue, I'm going to throw you under the bus uh, with the first question, um, if you don't mind. And then, James, I'm going to get your thoughts on here as well. Um, but okay. I think one of the, thing, one of the things um, 
that I think that helps make a, a good golf coach or, or instructor, we'll throw instructor in there as well because there, there is a little bit of a difference, but um, is you, you need to be a great communicator, Sue. And I think, um, you know, mm-hmm. any great teacher or golf instructor has the ability to communicate at the level of the student. So when teaching the golf swing, it's obviously even more important to get uh, to the level of the student and explain in a language they can easy, uh, easily understand. Um, first off, I think you would agree with that, but also, you know, really what we're, we're trying to accomplish as instructors is what? What is it we're trying to communicate to our students? Well, I think the first thing is, is, you know, you need to know who your student is. And, you know, us as LPGAs, we're trained in understanding, okay, is our person, is our, the person standing in front of us, are they visual, are they auditory, are they kinesthetic? Because once you find out that if they're visual or auditory or kinesthetic, then you basically teach them a little bit of that mode so that they can, um, they can understand where you're coming from a little bit better. So if, it, if somebody is very visual, then you want to be, for example, you want to demonstrate and help them so they can see what you're trying to mm-hmm. accomplish or what you're trying to get across versus if they're auditory, that means there's something that somebody learns by listening rather than, you know, visual and then, of course, kinesthetic people, um, they need to be doing it. So you need to not only show them, but you need to let them, let them do it themselves physically so they can feel it because a lot of, kind of, a lot of people are kinesthetic. And um, so that's the, one of the biggest, the biggest things that I look for right away with my students. I just, I, you know, I ask them, what do you think you are? Do you think you're more visual? Do you think you're more auditory? Or do you think you're more kinesthetic? Um, and then you talk in terms in, in regards to that to help them um, understand kind of where you're coming from and what concepts you're trying to get across um, to help them learn. And that's what I do. I, you know, I ask them, I, I do a little bit of an interview before I, you know, dive into their golf swing and just find out what kind of a person they are and how, and how they learn. And then we go from there. And that's what I, that's what I like to do. Yeah. And I think that's great. And, and you really hit it on, on the head because I think a lot of, um, you know, students out there, um, you know, we all learn differently. I, I know from my, from my own personal experience, I'm a little bit of all three. I mean, predominantly I'm a visual mm-hmm. learner, um, uh, but certainly, you know, if you, if you explain a few things, I can pick it up, uh, especially if, if it's a, a topic that I'm somewhat familiar with already. And then obviously I want to dive right. in there uh, and actually, you know, put it into practice. So, James, I'm going to come to you now. The bus is moving down the track here. We're coming to you. Um, <laughs> And, and one of the things that I want to take, I'm going to ask you essentially the same question, but I'm going to put a little bit of a twist on it, if you wouldn't mind. And that is um, one of the problems, I think, that we have to be mindful of as instructors, coaches, what have you, is that we stay away from, especially if somebody's new to the game, a lot of times there's a lot of buzzwords we use in the industry, um, and a lot of students don't understand that. So that really brings up that communication level is, uh, again, coming to the level of the student, understanding, you know, where they're at, where they're coming from, what their level of understanding is thus far, and then how we approach it. How do you like with your students? Uh, I imagine something very similar to what Sue just talked about is you want to kind of get a a grasp or an idea, but what are some things that you want to make sure that you're communicating to your students? So I am, I, I do, I'm very similar to Sue. And I typically, I'm always asking to find out what their background is like. So, 
you know, if they if they have a career, you know, what type of career do they have? Or, you know, some people are accountants, some are doctors, some are salespeople. And, you know, so I'm always finding out their background. And I'd say I, I find out what sports, if they've played sports before, I always want to know, like, every sport that they ever tried, you know, whether it was Little League Baseball or it was bowling or basketball, football, whatever it is, I try to find out that background because, mm-hmm. you know, like Sue mentioned, you know, the more that you know about them before they arrive to you, mm-hmm. you have a, a better vision of how you're going to approach the communication that they need to hear that, that taps into their past but also applies golf for them for the future. So I do that. I do that every day. Uh, lots of questions, mm-hmm. and you know, when you're asking questions, you're you're also listening uh, very well. And then you know, you take it from there, and and one step at a time until you get the results that you need. Yeah, and and you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, we forget as as uh, golf professionals. I think we forget that you know we. We've studied, we've taken courses, we've done the, you know, our due diligence to become better instructors. So we have a lot of information. And I think sometimes in our own excitement uh, of wanting to you know, help the students, we forget that you know, they, don't, they haven't taken that same course or courses. So <laughs> when we're relaying that information and we're suddenly you know, uh, you know, talking about uh, you know, supination and pronation and all these other buzzwords, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the students you know, eyes are starting to roll back in their head like a slot machine, and they're like, what's this guy talking about, or what's this gal talking about? I have no idea. So I think we have to, you know, again, depending on their level, and, and, and you both really brought this up, and that is to really tap in and find out from the student uh, where they're at and what their level of understanding is. And I think that is also going to dictate um, how we're going to, um, you know, communicate what it is that we want to communicate with them. You know, for instance, if they're a real beginner and they really don't have any understanding, then we kind of want to spoon feed them a little bit certain information as they can handle it. And as they progress, depending on the level and speed that they progress, we can do it a little faster. Um, and somebody that's been around a little bit, you know, maybe we can be a little bit more aggressive in, in how we approach things. But um, a great answer is uh, I like both of them. I think you both pretty much covered everything. Um, Sue, I'm coming to come back to you now. Uh, the bus is backing up and we're coming to you. And uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, being a great connector, and I'm going to explain what I mean by this, is, you know, when I think about, you know, a golf lesson in general, I think about, uh, you know, having the ability uh, to connect, you know, with others in the industry and things like that. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, most golf instructors have uh, some understanding of, of fitness and things like that, but most of them, or certainly a good many of them, are not necessarily certified in, in golf fitness instruction and things. They can give you a few pointers. Um, so I think it's important, uh, you know, if you're going to be successful in this business, that you're connected with others in the industry that maybe specialize in other things that you can work with or go to get information from that you can then bring back. Because there's nothing worse if a student says, well, what about this or what about that? And you're ill-prepared because you don't specialize or you don't really have a full uh, knowledge or understanding. So, Sue, um, do you try to tap into some other resources? And it doesn't necessarily have to be individuals, but other resources that you can bring to bear um, when you get faced with situations like that where maybe students want to understand other aspects of the game that maybe you don't particularly specialize in. Your thoughts? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, that's what the industry is all about. It's about sharing information and promoting the game. And, and you know, the whole goal is to get your player to be better and to understand. And the more that you can help them out with, you know, other information, like you mentioned fitness or mental training or um, mm-hmm. whether or not it's um, like fitness training, which is a prime example, yeah, I, I, I have so many great colleagues that I reach out to all the time um, and asking them, you know, hey, I've got this particular student, for example, and they're doing this. What would you suggest? You know, that kind of thing. So I think it's really important that you build your, um, well, I should say team, but, you know, you build your network so that you have no problem reaching out because it's important. And that's, I mean, the whole idea as a, as a coach in my opinion, is that you're always learning yourself. And that's the whole, you know, as an instructor and and somebody who wants to help other people, I think that's what you need to do. You need to keep growing and keep listening and keep learning. Um, And and the best way to do that is to reach out within your own network or, you know, build a network if you don't have that because it's really important Mm -hmm. because the whole goal is to get your your players or to get your student a little bit better. And sometimes when you don't have the answer, it's important to reach out to other people and say, you know, raise my hand and say, hey, I need, I need some support. And that's okay because, you know, we right. have people coming to us on a, on a lesson sheet that are from all different backgrounds and all different levels. And sometimes you just, there's times where you, need, you might need some help and that's okay because that's what the student's there for. They're asking you for help too. <laughs> right. So right. I, think and, and I, I think it's really yeah, exactly. important to network. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and James, basically at the end of the day, you want your golf instructor um, that will get to know your game, obviously, and seek information that's going to best help improve and, and reach whatever goals you might have. So, uh, again, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of similarities, but, you know, James, what do you try to do? I mean, I know you may have a, a variety of different certifications and you may be very well-rounded, but there's going to come times where you're going to say to yourself, you know what, I really – I think I need to connect with this person or or tap into some other resource, maybe even an online resource that you may want to use um, that's going to better help you prepare or uh, relay whatever information you want to your student, correct? And, and if so, maybe give us an example or two. Absolutely. So I actually keep a list of like contact information and YouTube channels uh, and, and Facebook profiles, you know, right in my notes in my phone. And today I probably sent, I bet I sent at least 10 text messages of different people that I believe in, you know, whether it's a sports psychologist or whether it's a fitness guy and even some great uh, content from the PJ Tour on YouTube that whenever I'm, you know, something specific for the player that they need to see someone else uh, you know, performing what I want them to do or, or what they should be feeling. So I'm constantly sharing that type of content, you know, whether the, it's a junior golfer that's eight years old or whether it was the chief financial officer this morning who, you know, run, is involved in a big company. You know, you're, you're always having that little bit of information ready to go and not afraid to share it, say, you know, listen, you need to, you need to research this person or you need to, you know, this uh, sports guy, you know, he just published a really great book that is fantastic, and I urge you to go ahead and mm-hmm. go buy it. And I send, I send them the, the link to it right then. 
right on the lesson tee. Yep. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's so important because, uh, again, guys, you know, we certainly do a lot, especially if we've been in this industry for any length of time, we do a lot to gather as much information as we possibly can, but even we can't do it all sometimes on our own. So I think it's equally important to be able to, um, you know, tap into other resources, whether it be, um, you know, other instructors or other areas of the industry that maybe we're not as, as uh, you know, up on, um, but you're going to get those questions. I mean, you, you know, James, you know, you mentioned YouTube. I mean, there's a thousand one YouTube channels out there, you know, millions of them, and people quite often, we all get hit on the lesson tee, and some say, well, I was watching this video, and they were talking about this, and they were talking about that, and, you know, it's okay to say, hey, you know what, I'm not really up on that, but you know what, I'm going to look into it for you, and I'm going to send you some things for you to check out. Uh, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on. But um, this brings me to another one, Sue, and that is really knowledge of the swing. And some people listening might think, well, that's a no-brainer. If you're teaching golf, you need to understand the golf swing. Um, but it's more than just the basics because there is a lot of it. It's constantly changing. I mean, we've heard of stack and tilt, the A swing, the B swing, this swing, that swing. There is a lot of information out there. And it can be difficult sometimes as teaching professionals and coaches uh, to be up on the latest and greatest of, of this and that and the other. But Obviously, as at a grassroots level, we have to understand the swing um, and how it works and why things happen the way they do. Maybe you could touch on a little bit of that if you wouldn't mind, Sue. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that, you know, as like you said, as a golf instructor, is you know, people are coming to us for our expertise. And if you don't know what you're doing and you don't know, you know, how to talk about swing plane or how to talk about disassociation between the upper body and the lower body, then yeah, there's going to be some. What I want to say is miscommunication between the between the coach and the player um, because they don't understand what you're talking about, or they, you know, you don't know what you're saying in regards to, you know, when you're, if somebody's trying to swing inside out um, because they're an outside in swinger, you know, you need to explain that. And I, what I tell people that you explain it two different ways because a lot of people may not understand it the first time you tell them. So mm-hmm. there might be a way that you have to like, okay, well, let me explain it a little bit differently. And understanding the the physics of the golf swing, yeah, it's pretty complicated at times, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I like, I like to talk about how the body moves, and if the body moves, then here's what happens to the golf swing. So I think it's imperative that, you know, you – you talk in the language that they understand, but also you have to have that knowledge behind the, you know, the biomechanics of the golf swing and, you know, the, how the body works within the golf swing. Cause I think that's one of the biggest issues most of my clients have is, is, is that they're trying to make a golf swing, but their body isn't able to move in certain, certain positions. Um, whether or not right. there's a, you know, disability or if they've got an injury or, you know, if, whatever it may be. And I think that's what you have to be very careful of. And I communicate to my all, all of my clients is saying, you know what, your body, your body has to move first, and then the golf swing will move from that. And I know, and I just try to explain, you know, what does the body need to do? And we, I talk about balance a lot, and I talk about disassociation between the upper and the lower body. Um, and then they understand that. And then it's important, like we talked about just earlier, is like okay, how do I get there? And a lot of those people mm-hmm. don't have, um, you know, fitness classes that they go to or golf 
golf-specific stretching movements, and I think that's where we, you know, we we, we want to reach out to other other people to help us with that, to saying, okay, this problem, this person has a lower body immobility issue, so how can I help? How can we help him get a more a lower body mobility, for example? So those are the kind of things right. that, that I talk about all the time. Yeah, and I think that's great. And again, um, you know, James, uh, our understanding of the of the golf swing sometimes can look different than what our students uh, imagines. Because, and again, this is where I think it's important, um, and I think you would agree, is is really understanding what level the student is at. And it's not just about how well they can hit the ball or not hit the ball. It's about how what level of understanding of the golf swing are they at. How does it work? How do the mechanics work? Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because, you know, you've played, um, you know, on, on uh, mini tours and, and so forth. So you've been out there, you've competed, and you obviously had to have a good understanding of the golf swing, and now you're trying to relay that to your students. And there are certain things that you're looking for in your students um, to make sure they understand the transition from backswing to downswing. So maybe you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so... I find that using video for me from multiple angles, you know, whether it's down the line face on, and I actually do a fair amount of video from directly behind their back, uh, you know, just helping them to understand, you know, it's like Sue mentioned, you know, the sequencing of the swing so often uh, where they just don't understand the parts that, you know, lead the takeaway. And then as you're, you know, starting your downswing, the parts that actually should be leading the downswing. And, uh, you know, so you're, you're constantly looking for a way that they're going to understand. Uh, one of my fun ones that I use a lot is backing the car out of the garage. And, you know, before you put it in drive, it's not like you're slamming it in drive and slamming on the gas. You know, the, you, know you don't want everybody to right. have whiplash. So, you know, but you're constantly trying to come up with analogies and, and visuals of them understanding and, and, you know, I hit a few shots for my players, but I really actually don't hit many balls whenever I'm in a lesson. I mean, I do, but not, a, not very many, probably not more than five balls in any lesson because I'm constantly trying to push them to get the feel of, you know, this is what moves. You know, this is where, and when you're here, you know, you can't, like, be at the top of your swing and have your the first thing to move at the ball is the club face and your hands, like, trying to hit at it. You know, you have to you have to be able to move and and it's a swing. It's not a hit. And so, Mm -hmm. because so many players, you know, they want to hit the ball and they want to, they really want it to go straight. So they're constantly swinging the club in a way that they feel like is going to make it go straight, but it never does. It's always crooked and always coming in at a poor angle. You know, I'm sure Sue would agree with that. Uh, Yeah. uh, For me, lots of, yeah, lots (laughs) of video, and, uh, you know, a moment ago you mentioned, like, the, the technicality of stuff. So right. I actually had one this morning. You know, I mentioned that chief financial officer, and, and he, he was a little confused on things and kind of a newer golfer. Uh, and I just, you know, I was going to mention to him some 3D timing stuff, which is, you know, really advanced information. And I, I said to right. him before I knew he was a financial guy, I said, hey, are you into math? And uh, he said, mm-hmm. well, actually, I'm a chief financial officer. I, I'm, I'm absolutely a numbers <laughs> data guy. And I said, oh. And so I shared with him some real numbers about the swing, you know, when you take it away and how fast it actually moves mm-hmm. and on your downswing, how fast it actually moves. 
And for him, it was like the light switch came on because he was like, oh, right, really? And I was like, yeah. You know, and part of it was is that, you know, as most players don't understand, the, the, the time from taking it away to impact is roughly 0.95 to one second time frame. I mean, it's not much longer than that and certainly not much faster than that. And, uh, but, of course, you know, he was able to handle that. But, like, you know, the first gentleman I had this morning – uh, who's in sales, you know, whenever I, st- he, I asked him, you want to hear some fun stuff? And he was like, wow, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. That was like his first comment. So of course right. I skipped right over it and we went right back to doing what we were doing, you know, you, and it's just, you, you have to be ready to change gears when somebody's not getting something and, and be able to and change how you're communicating it, you know, quickly. Yep, that's exactly right. And and that's a that's a great demonstration too of, of again the differences as we talked about earlier uh, with students. I mean, we're going to have some that are are very analytical and and want to get all the you know the nut into the nuts and bolts, if you will, of the golf swing. Uh, and it's important for them to understand because especially people that deal a lot with numbers like like the the CFO um, in their minds they're they're jamming and cramming in so many different figures. It makes sense to them, but then if you put out what they're trying to see in their mind to somebody that isn't a numbers person or a very technical person, it can be very confusing. So, um, so you know, as instructors, bottom line is we must continue to seek knowledge and understand the golf swing if we're going to give, um, in order to give us the best chance to clearly communicate, as we talked earlier, uh, and, and this leads us in the next one, and that is to set up a learning path that is actually going to be helpful. And, and this is another trait, number four, if you will, uh, Sue, and that is the ability to set up a learning pla- a path, excuse me, uh, which provides clarity. Because um, without clarity in a learning plan, everything is just fragmented. So, um, you know, you want to be able to provide uh, to our students key information and overall steps needed to improve. So this is when, you know, initially we may deal with fundamentals and, and you know, a general understanding of the golf swing and that, but then when we get in, to a little bit later, uh, you know, in the, on the lesson tee, we want to start clearly defining uh, a learning path. What's going to happen next? What are the next steps? Maybe you could walk us through just a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, of where you go from that beginning golfer and how you sort of clearly define that path of where they need to be traveling and moving, if you will, in order to improve. Yeah, with beginner golfers, I like to start on the putting green because um, I like to I I like to show them what a setup is um, and build their foundation first. And what, that's what I like to do. So I build the foundation first, and then we put the club in their hand um, because when we put a putter in their hand, we kind of just, you know, give them some basics and, and such. But I like to build the foundation first, and then we build from there. And then what I tell them is, like, once you get the foundation and, for example, your posture and – how you stand at the ball and being balanced within the ground and, and understanding what it feels like actually to be balanced on the ground. Cause I have so many, so many people that really don't understand balance when they're standing on the ground. They just, they're usually on their heels and, and so on. So um, I like to give them a really strong foundation first. Um, and then we start moving away. And before you know it, we're not on the putting green anymore. We're 20 yards away from the green and we're working on little pitch shots um, because I like to teach, well, let's get contact first, you know, with the with the club on the ball. Let's get some trajectory. Um, let's get some um, centerness of contact. Um, 
and then we go from there. And then I just we just build it from there in regards to into into a mini full swing, and then that's kind of the path that I take in regards to like with a newer player, because I want to build I want to have them build confidence immediately that oh wow this is you know whatever they're doing mechanically the ball the the ball is coming out correctly, um, it's going to their target. Mm-hmm. For example, if they're working on pitching, the ball's going in the air. Whether or not what they're working on putting, the ball's going to the target, um, that kind of thing. So um, I like to build um, like a foundation, and then every new new lesson come on, we build upon that foundation um, with all of that. And then any time I have a, a student come back to me, I always just ask him, okay, do you remember what we worked on before? And just do a little bit of review um, to talk about, all that foundation, and then then we set a plan going forward and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do next. And we just build it from there. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a great way, Sue, too, to find out whether they were actually listening to us uh, the last time around <laughs> uh, is to, to go through yeah. a little bit of review. Because we know, that, I mean, let's be honest, uh, we know that happens sometimes. Um, and, and James, I want to just expand a little bit on, on this with you, and, and that is, um, you know, again, we, we want to create that ability to be able to set up a, an effective learning path. And, and one of the, I guess, areas and one of the steps, if you will, is, is uh, you know, after that lesson has happened. So what we want to be able to do is we want to maybe include some drills and practice routines that is going to give them the ability to uh, track some feedback or get feedback on their progress away from us. Because one thing in the middle of the, the lesson, you know, they can get instant feedback from us. But when they're away from us, um, a lot of times, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to, you know, if they're not doing this. So we need to give them something. So maybe are, are some specific things that maybe you can think of that you try to do um, when you're working with the student to make sure that they've got a go-away plan, if you will, uh, in preparation uh, to work on not only what you've just discussed with them, but also in preparation for the next time around that they're going to come and see you. Absolutely so. I actually, uh, besides my own video file, I've made numerous videos of myself all over hitting different shots, whether I was out on the course, in the trees, uh, hitting shots out, and so on the range, around the green, all types of shots. And whenever I need to, I, I send my own video. But to get back to the lesson part and what you just keyed on is so important. So like I had mentioned earlier, I do a ton of video. Mm. It's, you know, in, a, in an hour lesson, I might make, I might have taken 50 videos. And so when I'm working on a special drill, which is often, right, and before they leave, I actually have them, the video of them doing it. And, and, and mm. a, mm-hmm. as perfect as they can do it, right? but they also get the video of when they were doing it and they weren't doing it correctly. So they get both and the video is live, right? It's, it's them doing what I want them to do, whether it's something, you know, where they make a, a downswing and they stop halfway and now they have to check and make sure the clubs in, and their hands are in the right place to impact the ball. And, and then they hit it. And then the shot that they hit is exactly the shot that we want. And maybe when they showed up mm-hmm. there, everything was like, you know, pull cut right, but doing the drill, they just actually started a ball two yards to the right, even though it only goes 50 yards with a seven iron, but the ball is actually curving back to the left from the drill. 
So all of that is right. in the video, and I'm sending them all of that, and I'm telling them, listen, here, these are your drills. And, and, you know, if you go to the range three times, you know, you need to do five drill swings and then do a regular swing without the drill. And then you're going to do five more drills mm-hmm. and then a regular swing. You know, whatever mm-hmm. I feel that they really need to do to have the success. So, yeah, I, that's exactly what I do with every single player, tons of texting of the videos uh, so they have their own – and they have their own history. And, and by the way, uh, whenever it's a junior golfer, I send the video. If the junior has their own phone, which just about all of them do, uh, right. the, the junior has the, has the video on their phone, and I also have a group family text message, and I send the same stuff to the parents so that everybody mm-hmm. has everything that they need to get through the week until I see them the next time. Yeah, and, and that's crucial. And, and Sue, this brings us really um, – I, I want to talk a little bit more about feedback because it's not just uh, you know, feedback that the student sees – um, but gets from the coach or, or teacher professional. I mean, that's crucial because, uh, again, as an example, you know, if you're working on something as challenging as swing change or even building a swing, it's important to have that feedback uh, at the right times. And without it, um, you might be practicing the wrong things or making uh, or not making the progress that's necessary, uh, which puts you kind of behind the eight ball. So, uh, again, um, maybe you can give an example of uh, feedback uh, to and from the student where you try to uh, maybe set up and coordinate with them a little bit. Maybe you can just touch on that. Yeah, with every lesson that I give, um, probably even if it's a half an hour lesson, let's say it's 30 minutes, right about 10, 15 minutes into the lesson, the first thing I ask them, I said, so what are you learning? And I want, I want to hear what their perception is of what they're learning because I want to make sure that, okay, you know, we're on the same page, um, and that, you know, and at the end, and then at the end of the lesson, I ask them the same thing. I said, "What did you learn different today?" You know, and then they'll, then they'll kind of go through and like, well, "Okay, I need to stay in my." For example, I had a couple lessons today, and they're like, "I need to stay in my posture because I tend to lose my balance." And I said, "Yes, that's true." And I said, "So how do you need to stay in your balance?" And you, and you know, how do you need to find your balance? And they said, well, I learned that I need to, you know, stay more in the center of my feet, not on my heels. And I said, that's correct. And I said, because when you go on your heels, for example, you're going to stand up every single time because your brain wants to keep you on balance, but you're, you're, you can't stand up and turn at the same time. It's impossible. And they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. And that was a light bulb that kind of went off. And, then, and like I said, and then at the end of the lesson, I said, so what did you learn? And then we just kind of go through some of the review you know, key points, not like, okay, it's not a 20-point checklist. It's usually two or three things, and that's about it. So we just go through, you know, because I, I ask them, I want to know what their feedback is because I want to know, you know, are they hearing me or, or am I telling them the right thing in the sense of the verbiage so that they can understand mm-hmm. it and then, and then they can repeat it back to me. And, and then that way we're all on the same page and we don't walk away confused because that's, that's a disservice to them if they walk away confused. Yeah, and, and, you know, this goes back to what we, you know, when we started the conversation about the communication is so vital because if we're not, if the student isn't understanding what we're relaying to them uh, and we're just going on the assumption that they are, that they're getting everything along the way, and, you know, suddenly, you know, partway through the lesson or maybe in the next couple of lessons, 
you know, they're more confused and, and misunderstanding what, um, what mm-hmm. what's really, you know, we're trying to get them to understand, then you, you've kind of wasted that time. And, you know, James, you know, another trait is the ability to provide additional support. So, you know, obviously you want that, that conversation flowing back and forth to get um, feedback from the students and that. Um, but I think really where the real work happens is in between the lessons. I mean, you might get somebody that's coming once a month. You might get them coming every couple of weeks, or you might be fortunate to have somebody coming every week. Uh, again, it varies depending on the student's abilities and what they're willing to commit. Uh, but it's important, and I know you, you touched on earlier about giving them drills and things like that, um, but what do you do to instill, or what do you instill on your students, uh, if you will, uh, to encourage them to want to make that effort and work in between the next time they're going to see you. Because, um, you know, we often get in situations where, again, we've given them a drill or two, uh, and, you know, the next time they come in maybe two weeks, and, you know, how are you working out? Well, I didn't get a chance to go to the range and that. So are there things that you try to do? Are there motivations that you try to do as a way of offering additional support to get them and encourage them to want to get out there in between your lessons and, and give it a go, as it were? Yeah, I mean, as we all know, I mean, the more time that they can put in, you know, doing the right things on their own, and as you keyed on a bit ago, you you mentioned, you know, where sometimes they, even whenever they have the right information, uh, you know, oftentimes when they're practicing on their own, they're not quite doing it, you know, and I find that, uh, you know, there's once in a while, I'm sure you've all had, you know, you've had that Mm -hmm. lesson and even even at the end of the lesson, you're like, wow, you know, I want I personally as a coach, I wanted more success, and even I just didn't feel like the lesson ended mm-hmm. as good as I wanted it to. So, you know, and then I'm always asking, hey, when's the next time you're playing? And you know, maybe somebody today says, well, I'm teeing off tomorrow at 1:30, and so, you know, usually by the end of the day or whatever, or during that lesson even though, you know, they're taking off and everything's okay, but it didn't end the way I wanted to. So I always say to them, hey, listen, after you play tomorrow, will you just send me a text and let me know how it went? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you just want to, you want to stay with them. And so, you know, it's not a lot of players, but during the week I'll probably receive, you know, a dozen or so texts back from a student. Some of them are saying, well, you know, I did great. And some of them are saying, yep. you know, I actually, you know, shot the highest score I've ever shot, and I hit five balls right. out of bounds. And so, <laughs> you know, let's say that I can't see that player. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, when are you going to be at the range next? And do me a favor, you know, just have either take the, get the video somehow yourself, but send me a little, just send me a video of you hitting the shot, and let me just make sure that you're doing what we want. So, right. you know, trying, yeah. to, and trying to stay connected with them. Yeah, it's important because I, I think, you know, our, our, you know, years ago, I think when golf instruction was sort of first coming on the scene, we didn't have the technology that we do now. It was, you know, the only time we could see and work with our students uh, was when they came to the golf course. But now the outreach is so vast uh, and the abilities are so incredible. And this brings us to uh, the, the seventh trait, if you will, the last one. And that is, as, as coaches and teach professionals, is the ability to utilize technology. We've touched on a little bit of it, but there's more. Um, Sue, and that is, 
uh, you know, the, the, the game itself of golf has, has some incredible technology available to help golfers grow and, and help instructors grow, uh, to be able to provide better information uh, during the lessons. Uh, many of the top instructors, uh, you know, now have access to uh, launch monitors like TrackMan and FlightScope and so on and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. and have the ability to gather information like ball speed, club uh, path, face angle, all that uh, you know, good stuff. Um, so there, there's a, a definite need and a desire as an instructor to have access to some of that information. It doesn't have to be all of it, but some of that information because it's going to help better prepare you uh, for the next time you're going to step out on the lesson tee and help your students. Um, maybe you can give us some thoughts there and and, you know, if you utilize some of that technology, how it's helped you as an instructor to better relay or communicate that information that you want. Yeah, I think it's, um, as you said, technology has advanced so far that um, it, there's a good and a bad about technology. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The good news is, yeah, the good news is, okay, we have this technology and we can use it, and how do you apply it? And I think sometimes is is that um, you know, like the ball feed and the and the launch monitors are all really really great information. Um, I just mm-hmm. think some players um, have a tendency to go a little bit too what I want to say too technical and mm-hmm. are too into too much into the technology, and their body's not doing what they need to be doing because they're so worried about what the technology is telling them, and. I mean, we've got so much um, technology, like you said, with the, the resources that we have online and um, with the, uh, the launch monitors and such. And like, you know, like our other co-hosts, I do a lot of video as well, and uh, we, we show a lot of video um, to, to clients um, because I think that that is almost more important than you know, showing ball speed and ball and launch monitors and stuff in the beginning. And then toward mm-hmm. the end of the lesson, and as they get a little bit better, then, yes, you can kind of explain to them what, what does this technology mean because I know sometimes, especially with newer players, technology is a, is a very scary thing to them because they don't understand right. what, you know, what ball speed is and, and such things. So I think you just have to be careful and, Again, again, it depends on the client that's standing in front of you on how much you want to share into, with that technology and how much information you want to give them because you don't want to overload them with too much, um, like I said, too much in the beginning because what are you trying to accomplish in the lesson? Are you trying to get them to hit mm-hmm. golf balls, great, good, good shots with good trajectory, um, or are you trying to, you know, um, what I want to say, share with them or request the technology and saying, okay, here's what this means, here's what this means. Um, so I think you just have to be careful. And I think there's, there's, a, um, there's a fine line with, with all the technology that we have. I mean, I love using – I have a launch monitor and I use it, but I use it, um, what do I want to say, um, not religiously. I will use it with some players mm-hmm. and some players I will, I will not use it. Yeah, and and it's a balancing act, James, because uh, as Sue pointed out, and and uh, you know, it, it's able to provide us as coaches a lot of information um, virtually at our fingertips, and quite often we see this, and and I think at some level we're all a little bit guilty at times. You know, when we when we learn something new or we experience something new, we, we kind of get excited. You know, we we want to share that information. 
but I think we have to mm-hmm. be mindful, as I pointed out early, uh, James, that you know we don't over confuse the process by you know teaching them everything we learned at, at uh, you know at that course that uh, talked about TrackMan or some of these other technologies. So, James, how do you find balance? I mean, I know you mentioned you use video, and I'm sure you uh, have access or have used some of the technology that we've mentioned, maybe some other things that have not been mentioned. But how do you find balance in what you're doing uh, to make sure that you're getting the best utilization out of that technology um, while at the same time not becoming such a... um, uh, You know, in other words, are you sharing the information that's necessary to help them advance or are you just showing them how much you've learned your thoughts yeah that's a great question so i i i have four launch founders and but i i do not i do not own the expensive ones i have four personal ones and Mm -hmm. they're actually uh two are from the same company and then the other two are so i've two of the same company and then two others that are different ones. So, and like Sue said, I, I do use them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, they give some pretty decent information, but they're not a track man and not a flight scope. Uh, there are some players that love it. And some players that I know if the information is down there, they're going to be paying too much attention to it. So I never, ever bring the launch monitor out. And I have all four right. in my cart, you know, every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of all the juniors that I work with, they absolutely love it. And yeah. I would say if you know, I probably have, I don't know, probably around 35 or so juniors in my squad. And, and now this year, out of all of them, at least 20 of them, their parents have bought one of those personal launch monitors for them to have for right. themselves <laughs> because they just right. love seeing that they've, that they've improved on X number, whether it's the carry yardage, if we're working on launch angle, if the spin you're it's supposed to be seven thousand, but you're only doing sixty five hundred, and it's like Sue mentioned, you know, even even in my region in Florida, I know there's a, a few folks that have you know launch monitors and all that, but you know, are they really do they really know what to do with it? And yeah. and so that's really the key, you know, can you lay your launch monitor down there for somebody to see? You know, like everybody wants to go far. So I, I do bring it out. I, you know, I bring the launch monitors out a couple of times a day because, you know, somebody says, you know, I, I'm losing distance and I don't know why. So I, I lay mm-hmm. it down there just so I can see the numbers and I'll have them hit, you know, a bunch of shots. And then from shot to shot, you know, like it's Bluetooth to my phone. So it, sh- it shows every shot on my phone. And you can see like, well, it was a snatch factor off, and, which means they didn't hit it very good. And was the club head mm-hmm. speed suddenly slower? Or, and, and now it, you understand how to assess the information, and then you can, if that person, you know, they obviously, if they love that information, you can, you can now communicate to them, here's what we need to do. You know, first of all, here's what you've got, and these are the things we need to do to get these numbers up where, where we want them, and maybe even better than before. So, uh, yeah, I use those, and I have technology for putting. I actually have – there's a new product out that uh, you put these insoles inside your golf shoes. And, mm-hmm. Sue, I, don't, I know you just mentioned you, you love working on balance. I do the same thing, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And so there's a, there's an insole out there that just came out this year, and you, it actually Bluetooth to your iPad. And when the, mm. when you're standing on them, it is measuring everything your feet are doing just like any of the pressure plates. Oh, my God. Please send that information to me. Yeah, send it to me as well. And I, yeah, one of the groups I'm in, I, I saw a publication, uh, and they said, hey, check out this new product. So I called the owner or the, the person distributing them in the United States, and I bought it on the spot. And so, and then I put it in my shoes, and it's literally like, uh, what's the uh, the little thing you stand on that's with V1 body track? Body yeah. Track, if yeah. you use V1, if you use V1 to it all, and it sh- you know they have some of the videos of the tour players, and it shows what their feet are doing through the swing where the pressure's moving. Right. Well, these yep. mm-hmm. insoles do the exact same thing, and they're they are wow. unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So I hmm. and sometimes if somebody has terrible balance. I literally take those things and put it in their golf shoe and say, okay, you know, but I, I haven't used those very much, but I have used them. And then the person's like, oh, wow, because they'll make a swing and it's actually recording all the heat, the heat mm-hmm. on it. And it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, just to sort of summarize about the technology a little bit, and, and you both really alluded to this, uh, you know, I think the information is is of great value to us as instructors. And again, obviously, uh, many in the younger generation love to see all that technology. Um, but as as you both really kind of alluded to, um, we've got to be mindful that they're not getting caught up in the technology. In other words, caught up in the numbers. Um, if they're focusing solely on the numbers, well, I didn't get this. Uh, you know, the the ball speed wasn't what I wanted, or this wasn't what. I mean, that's okay to have an understanding. But if you're focusing on the numbers and you're not actually focusing on the process uh, and the changes that are needed to be made in order to accomplish what you want, um, you know, then – and I think it's good, especially for the junior uh, players, to be able to monitor um, that information through – a per- I have a personal launch monitor as well, and I think it's probably one of the same ones that you have, uh, James. But, um, you know, and, and, it, and it's certainly great, but, uh, again – we want to be mindful that we're not just spending, um, you know, time looking at the numbers ourselves. And the other uh, point I want to make is, you know, if, if our students are coming to see us on the lesson tee, it's great to keep track of that information. But if our head is constantly looking down at a monitor and, and or screen mm-hmm. uh, to assess this information and we're not really making eye contact with the student or we're not really engaging directly, um, Certainly, I'm not saying every case, but a lot of cases, the students are going to feel very um, like they're not part of the process. In other words, they're not important enough for you to look up from the screen. And I think that sometimes, um, I think more and more instructors are starting to understand that now. But I I know when technology really started to take a, uh, and again, I'm not picking on anybody, when TrackMan and FlightScope and all of them came out, great products have a, a place in this market for sure and very, very strong leaders in the market. But I know a lot of instructors um, that admittedly say now that they got very caught up in that, that technology boom early on, and um, you know they had to sort of ratchet it back a little bit. So I think it's important that we, we put it in its proper place. Uh, there's a time and a place for it. And again, depending, as we talked about earlier, you know, when we've talked to our student and get an idea of where they're at and what's important to them, 
that's going to dictate just how much of that technology we're going to let seep into the lesson T. Um, so I think that's something that we, bo- we all have to be mindful of. But um, great, uh, great discussion. It's hard to believe the hours uh, pretty much zipped right by. Uh, you guys did a fantastic <laughs> job as as always, and uh, we got a little Thank bit you. of time left, so I'm gonna. Yeah, you guys did great, and James, welcome back uh, to the club, as it were. I'm glad you, you were able to uh, uh, to make some time in your your schedule. I know it's uh, you know as we've talked about here um, in recent weeks, it's uh, it's gotten a lot busier for everybody, and um, it's uh, it's a good thing. Um, one final thing that I want to ask both of you, and, and that is, you know. Moving forward, um, and, and I'm going to go in the same order. Sue, I'll start with you and then James. Moving forward in, in your um, profession, what do you want to see happen? You know, we've, we've talked about, James, you and I talked about this off air, and Sue, we've talked about it before as well, uh, with this sort of uptick that we've seen in the golf industry this last year um, as a result of the pandemic. More people have come out um, Older players that used to play that maybe stopped for a while or have come back, and new players that have never played before have come out um, just you know to get the mm-hmm. heck out of the house. What do you want to see moving forward? What would you like to see the industry do to make sure that we don't um, you know ruin this opportunity uh, with such an influx of new people to the game that we don't end up yeah. you know uh, scaring them off is is a, get a good way to put it. Um, Sue, you go ahead, and then James, when she's done, uh, you can just jump right in. Well, yeah, you took the word right out of my mouth about don't ruin what we have because the growth is going crazy, and um, and that's fabulous. And I think that I think the most important thing we need to do for every golfer out there is to make them feel comfortable and make them feel welcome. And whether or not that's a you know um, an older person that hasn't you know done much before, um, and they're like, okay, let me try this out because this is um, something new to me, or whether or not it's juniors. Um, you know, the fastest growing um, demographic that going into the game is women right now. So we want to make right. make sure yep. that they feel very, very welcome so that they stay in the game because that's what's going to change. Um, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. the demographic may change a little bit, but I think the most important the most important piece of it is to make them feel comfortable um, and educate them in regards to, okay, how could you feel comfortable on the golf course? And um, because I think that's the, you know, golf is a very intimidating game for a lot of people. And I think if we make it less intimidating and a lot more fun, then I think more people will stay involved in the game and they'll play it for the right reasons, which means it's a game, which means you play it. It's, you know, it's not all mm-hmm. about score. It's not always about um, being first or being second, whatever that may be. Um, but I think it's just about community involvement. I, I think that that's what's so great about this game right now. It's just you know, it's, it, the pandemic exploded it because everybody wanted to get outside because that's what we could do. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is just to make everybody feel comfortable and, and make them feel welcome no matter who it is, no matter if it's a brand-new player, if it's a junior, if it's a woman, mm-hmm. if it's a, you know, a low-handicap player, is just allow them to play um, and, have, and have fun because that's what it is. We're not tour players. Yep. <laughs> right, Exactly. Uh, James, what about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh, you know, lots of new players showing up, both men and women. And like you mentioned, uh, the number of new lady golfers is absolutely amazing. And mm-hmm. just to mention, at, at our facility, uh, the professional staff at the club 
just had their first clinic Tuesday uh, late afternoon, and it's actually called Bad Moms for Golf. And I'm not sure exactly what the bad moms really mean, but uh, I can tell you that, yeah, I know, right? And, and it may be, right. it might even be a nationwide initiative. I'm not sure yet, but uh, for Club Corp at the club there. But uh, right. 22 ladies signed up, you guys. 22 mm-hmm. ladies came the first wow. night. They signed up for a, a six-week program. And at the end of each hour-long lesson, you know, they go in and they get like a – it's included where they get a glass of wine or something. And, uh, and so 22 signed up, which is, is really amazing, you know, for one class. And, of course, two pros had to attend. And they divided them up. But, uh, yeah, how are you going to – you've got to make it as fun as possible. Uh, I'm a big believer in helping them get the ball in the air as quickly as possible uh, get it going far, and, uh, you know, uh, I do little tricks, uh, to, especially for the ladies, because lots of ladies uh, have a tendency that they, mm. they really don't like to hit the ground, so they top the ball a lot. Right. So it's not uncommon mm. for me in the very first lesson where I, after a couple of swings, I say, all right, will you do something crazy for me? And I have them set up, and I say, okay, close your eyes. And inevitably – they strike, they hit the ball, and it goes in the air with their eyes closed. And the reaction, I've had a few ladies scream, and the reaction <laughs> is priceless. Uh, Ted, I'll, have yeah. to, I'll actually email you a video of a lady, a new lady who actually is in town from Colorado and visited with me uh, for her first lesson Tuesday morning. And within five mm-hmm. minutes, I had her close her eyes, and the first ball was high in the air, and she had topped the first five. And so, uh, wow. and her look on her face was like, What? How, how is that possible? I thought I was supposed to keep my eye on the ball, and I was like, "Well, we could." That's another discussion. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. you gotta you gotta have well, fun. You gotta you gotta be willing to test the waters and 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 encourage them and just keep pushing. Yeah, I think I think well said, both of you, and and uh, I'm interested. You gotta keep me updated on the bad moms. I want to find out. Uh, I, th- yeah. I kind of have a suspicion. I think it start. I think it starts off with one glass of wine and probably morphs into two or three, and that's maybe where the bad moms come out. But I'd love to hear more about that. But you guys did a great job again. I appreciate that. Um, again, I'm going to start with Sue, and then <clears throat> excuse me, and then James. Uh, Sue, the best way um, as we wrap up here this segment of Coach's Corner, let the folks know if they want to reach out. The best way that they can communicate with you. Yeah, the best way is I have a website. It's uh, Sue Weed Your Golf. It's S-U-E-W-I-E-G-E-R-G-O-L-F.com. Um, I'm up in Payson, Arizona right now and enjoying the weather here. And Or you can call me at 480-392-6563. Um, my book is on Amazon. It's called Golf, The Last Six Inches, How to Change Your Brain, Change Your Game. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks Ted. This has been this has been awesome as usual. Well, thank you. And uh, James, what about yourself? Best way they can yep. reach you? Uh, James Kyle. My website is James Kyle K Y L E Golf Academy dot com, and uh, cell phone number eight one three eight one zero nine zero four three. My home base is at East Lake Woodlands Country Club in Oldsmar, Florida, and uh, I also actually do a, a lot of lessons online through my relationship with uh, Golf Digest and Rapsodo Golf. It's on the Golf Digest schools, uh, one of the coaches mm-hmm. on there. So the, all, all of that is online, and uh, that's actually been pretty popular the last couple of years. Good. All right. 
Well, again, thank you both uh, very much for joining me tonight on Coach's Corner. And again, uh, as always, Sue, it's a pleasure. And James, thanks for uh, joining back on the panel. And I uh, look forward to having you thank again you so on much. some future shows. Uh, have a great weekend, Absolutely. guys. And we'll see you next time here on the Coach's Corner panel on Golf Talk Live. God bless to you both night. and have a great weekend. All right, bye-bye. Thank, thank you. you. All right, that was James Kyle and Sue Weeger uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel here uh, together. We had a great discussion on on uh, about uh, what are some of the important traits of, of being a good golf coach. We talked about that. All right, I see my special guest is ready, but uh, before I bring him on, uh, a couple of quick messages uh, from some of our sponsors. This edition of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by Golf Pal, the best place to find only the finest in golf training aids and accessories. Get in on some great deals on leading products such as Down Under Board, Rub Soto, Golf Slingshot, and more. Visit golfpal.golf today. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Golf Pal, we're serious about your game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, and just a quick note on that. If you go to GolfTipsMag.com, and hit subscribe, uh, our regular one-year subscription, which includes six issues or bi-monthly, uh, is regularly $14.97 uh, US. Uh, but if you go there and subscribe for any time in the month of October, uh, October excuse me, until the 31st, and enter promo code GOLFTIPS21, uh, you'll get a, a substantial saving, and you'll get the yearly subscription for just $9.99. So go to GolfTipsMag.com, uh, subscribe today, uh, get six print issues, uh, one-year subscription, uh, enter promo code GOLFTIPS21, and get it uh, for just $9.99. All right, my very special guest this evening joining me is Kelly O'Donnell. He is the uh, Director of Golf Operations at uh, Nemecolon, uh Resort up in Pennsylvania's premier luxury golf resort. It's a, uh, he's a PGA uh, professional uh, experience in managing high-end golf, cor- uh, golf operations, excuse me, uh, with more than 30 years in the golf industry, he has demonstrated success and has added value by uh, delivering world-class member and guest service and growing the membership, both, of course, which help to generate revenue. Uh, delivering exceptional guest service uh, is Kelly's passion and is the uh, foundation of member retention. Uh, he manages uh, fairly clear, uh, clearly and cost-effectively with humor and respect for the individual associate. Uh, Kelly aims to inspire loyalty uh, with his staff and empower them to make decisions that deliver exceptional guest service every day. So please welcome to the show my very special guest, uh, Kelly O'Donnell. Good evening, Kelly, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I really want to meet the guy you were just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, very, very honored and, and glad you could, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and I really was interested cause I am hitting it really short and I want to eliminate those three pots. So, so I'm, oh, I'm making sure I'm <laughs> fine up. For... 
<laughs> no, everything. I know we've right. all been there. Well, fantastic. Yeah. So I want to I want to do something uh, since uh, this is the first time that you've been on the show, and I like to do this with all of my guests just to get a little more information. Um, you know, rather than just reading out your bio and so forth, um, I always like to ask uh, the professionals that come on. You know, how they got their start, when they first sort of. Uh, were introduced to the game by who and sure. and what were some of their yeah. early uh, experiences. So, so let's roll back time a little bit. And, and when did you first yeah. uh, started to take up golf and, and sort of lead us down that path? And we'll continue from there. Um, well, I still, yeah, I remember it fondly and dearly. Uh, my father was a long, long-time minister, and uh, his he took Fridays off, and he always enjoyed going to the – local nine-hole course, and uh, so I had the opportunity to go with him and find the fascination of what my dad was doing, so it was a nice connection and, you know, just give you a snapshot of what my dad, you know, even, and he's still alive at 90, but, you know, he always felt like his best round of golf, how many golf balls he found, so that kind of tells you what kind of golfer he was. (laughs) (laughs) He was so proud of how many golf balls he would find, and he lost a few as well, so you know, I started with him, and I still remember um, we lived in Rogers, Arkansas, where it was the the actual home of the very first Walmart. So my first set of clubs was a set of uh, Bob Rosbergs, and I wish I still had them. Oh, wow. You know, it was a little a short driver, a little seven iron, uh, I think a pitching wedge and a putter. And, you know... I carried it, my and my dad carried his as well, and there's I, I just wore a hole out in the very bottom of it because the, to me, you know, at that time mm. when I was seven, it was heavy. <laughs> so I wore a hole in the bottom right. of it. So I wish I still had that. And, you know, years later I went back to that uh, nine-hole course, and I just remember all these certain holes where I thought it was such a long carry to get over this creek and everything else, and it was really only like 50 yards and stuff like that. So, you know, you're just – your wide-eyed kid trying to figure out right. how you're doing that, you know, and it's probably the same as if you, you know, if you go, if I went back to high school now, and go, wow, the hallways are not as big as I remember, and right, and everything like that. <laughs> but that's uh, that's how I really started, and then you know, my grandfather uh, was a very good player as well, and uh, as it turned out, one of his best friends growing up was Harvey Pinnock in Austin, mm-hmm. so. I had the pleasure of taking some lessons with Mr. Pinnock, uh, which, you know, back then didn't mean much. But, you know, as I built into my golf career, it really meant a lot. And just the impact he's had on so many players and on my teaching philosophy as well. I mean, hats off. I've always said to many people, hats off to Harvey Pinnock because he, you know, and Tom Kite and Ben Crenshaw, along with Mm -hmm. all the other great players you work with, when you take those two personalities, those, those two games, he always had Tom on the range, and he said, Ben, you just go play. He knew exactly what your yep. strengths were. And I've always liked the simplicity of everything he taught. I mean, the Little Red book was absolutely perfect for yep. uh, what he always spoke to. And another thing, because mm-hmm. I'm so old school uh, in the way I teach, and I still joke about it, you know, they – they got on Harvey forever to take payment because he would never take payment for for right. all his instruction because he felt it was part of his job, and he was so compassionate and empowered 
to share his love for the game and, and to have more people just get better. So I try to do that, but I just jokingly, I still take payment. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And that little red book, I mean, it was, it was uh, full of some great nuggets uh, of information and, and I'm like you, I'm much more old school as well when it comes to teaching and, and, you know, I, I believe sometimes, you know, the, the simpler, the better. I think sometimes right. we were just talking about this. I don't know if you had a chance to, to listen to any of the, the previous uh, uh, discussion on the show, but, you know, we talked about, the, we ended it with sort of talk about technology. And, and, you know, I certainly love technology. I think there's a lot of great uh, things that have been brought into the, to the golf game. But I think one of the things, and I, I just want to get your thoughts on this, um, because I think we're probably going to be very similar in this approach. But, uh, you know, I think very early on when the technology first really started to come out, I think there was a lot of excitement, obviously, in the, and it still is, but a lot of excitement. And I think that many coaches, golf professionals, um, got very wrapped up in the technology. And, you know, as they right. began to understand it and learn it, um, become very reliant on it and kind of got away yeah. from some of the traditional teaching for a while. And, you know, I joked one time years ago on the show, we, me and, and another golf professional, that, you know, it's great to have all this technology, but what do you do uh, if you're relying on it solely for, for your instruction if the power goes out or the batteries die? Um, well, right. You know, what you're do you do exactly. then, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Is there a place for technology, and how do we yeah. use it appropriately? How much time do we have? I <laughs> know <laughs> I, I yeah I think I there's a lot to it. Um, I certainly agree with that. In fact, in fact, you know I think a lot of the technology helped a lot of golf pros and instructors who were not good at communicating their thoughts about what they right. wanted the student. It was so much easier for them to show them exactly up on mm -hmm. a screen or through the cameras that we used at that time. So it really helped mm -hmm. them communicate a better instructor. Um, but, you know, for me, and again, going back to the the gentleman I learned from as well, is, you know, I can basically tell what somebody's doing by the sound. I mean, it's really sound for right. me, too. You know, how solid mm -hmm. it is it's going to be hit. But, again, I, I think there's a great place for technology. We've we've just done a just amazing conversion of our golf academy, and we've got a lot we've got trackman bays a swing catalyst that right they're bound for technology has really amazed me and it and it you know for me anti not anti-tech but someone who's not very technical it really helped me on that balance board because loading into my right side i was staying up on my my forefoot up on my toes and not getting back into my heel because i had you know plantar fascia issues for years and i never right. knew that and and I was losing speed, and so one of my instructors said, hey, look at this. I can see light under your right heel. I said, you got to be kidding me, because I, I didn't know that. But we showed it up on the right. screen. So, you know, it helps somebody who, you know, for me, and so I see a lot of that where not necessarily going to be able to find that and just hitting ball after ball with somebody watching you. So there, I think there's mm. – there's a great amount of technology that needs to be used, but I think it also gets overused as well. I think, you know, dialing in, I just thought it was crazy watching Dustin Johnson hit wedges with a track man, but look, he improved doing it. Right. Yeah, and I, mean, I think tapping into... Better doing that. Yeah. 
Right. I think tapping into the technology, as you suggest, I think is good. Um, I, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I've become a little more tech savvy as the years have gone on, but um, you know, I don't want to rely too much on it. I use, um, you know, certainly the mobile launch monitors. I don't use uh, as much anymore TrackMan and that. But um, now they've got everything mobilized, so it's much easier. And, and a lot of the students now even go out and get their own uh, so they can you know, provide information right. from that. So I think there's a place for it. Um, what I do try to guard against is that getting too, too wrapped up in the numbers. I don't want to, uh, you know, as I was saying to the, to the earlier guests, you know, one thing I, as an instructor you don't want to do is when you're there with your student is to have your face looking into a monitor all the time and not really engaging right. with your student because it's just to me, you know, if they're paying you to come and, you know, take lessons from you, um, they're not here to take lessons from your laptop or your iPad or, or some other device. Well, um, exactly so, right. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah they're, all right. So they're there. They're there to get your expertise and get help from right. you. So and you know well, the other thing and with especially. Go ahead. Sorry. The other thing with technology too is you know I think when we're and I've seen a lot of it is I don't agree with breaking it down into the segments because then to me it's no longer a golf swing. Right. It still needs to be. I mean, there's so much talk about you know, position going back and where you are at the top and everything else. But, I mean, I still think the simple old-school thought of you need to make a proper golf swing back and through still applies. But a lot of them just really mm-hmm. – I really want to see you in this position here at waist high and up there. I, I You know, most of our, our guests, our customers, it's not going to help them at all. Right. And, 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 again – the one thing that we've learned too, as as time has moved on, uh, as instructors, is that everybody is different. Um, you know, we've got tall, right. short. You know, a little heavier, a little lighter, what have you. However, you want to frame it. Um, so to try and pigeonhole everybody into the same box is just not going to be. It's actually counterproductive because it it ends up well, it uh, might working. Yeah, it might work for some, but it becomes very. Uh, detrimental to somebody else, and I think that has, in itself, has uh, you know helped to scare a few people away from the game because it's just become overwhelming and too difficult, and and uh, it, it becomes more of a technology discussion as opposed to how can what can we do to get you to hit the ball a little further and straighter and and help you score better when you get out on the golf course. So, all right, we're going to stop boring everybody, uh, Kelly, on technology, and we're going to talk about something that that I know that I know that you want to talk about here. Um, I just wanted well, to get your thoughts, all kidding aside. Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, so you know, I, I'm, really good, I'm really good at diverting the topic to something else, so you got to watch me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was my – listen, I, I brought the question out there. So, no, so I, I want to I talk about first – let's talk about the resort itself because, you know, it, it, it's uh, roughly, I think, about 2,200-plus uh, acres uh, of right. just beautiful uh, land. So just give us an, a little bit of an overview of the property itself. You don't have to get into too much detail, but just a general overview, and then we'll dial in on some specifics. Okay. Um, well, it was bought by the Hardy family from Rockwell family. It was a, a law, hunting lodge with golf on it, very small property, 1987, and then they just, through the years, turned it in this, to this magical, glorious escape up here in the mountains, um, the chateau, they kept the original launch, which I like the tribute to what it was, and then just mm-hmm. expanded it from there. There's great shopping. There's great food, 
We have a world-class spa. You know, I've got 36 holes of Pete Dye golf, uh, which are both incredible golf courses. The one course, Mystic Rock, you know, hosted the 84 Lumber Classics in 2003, 2006. We have wild animals. We have lions. We have bears. We have, uh, you know, albino, buffalo, emus. We, it's just incredible. We do Jeep tours. You can do off-roading. Did a wonderful uh, renovation creation uh, of what's called the peak now. It's kind of the peak of the property. We have a, you know, we have a skiing there and, and tubing, but we created right in between that a very amazing little water park with a, you know, a showcase for bands, you know, just to play events there uh, throughout the year. And so just so we keep evolving, we keep changing. Um, the food's extraordinary. The weather, you know, because I've only been here since February. I, I'm so new to this, and mm-hmm. I'm just like a kid in a candy store. Uh, you know, my whole <laughs> golf is Texas. Uh, I, you know, Ted, I kid you not, this past summer was the best summer I've ever had in the golf business because I think it mm-hmm. got above 90 degrees three times. <laughs> it was just amazing. <laughs> it's a right. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. Uh, we do very well with stay-and-play packages because, you know, the whole family can come and play golf, but there's so many other things to do. We have uh, we have a field club with 23 uh, stations that you can shoot any kind of guns there as well. There's there's fishing. Mm-hmm. They'll take you on fishing guides. And, you know, if you want to do a little day excursion out, there's whitewater rafting very close by to us, and then uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's, Wright's uh, Falling Water is 10 minutes away. So we're just in an amazing spot that just every day I wake up and go to work, I'm just so blessed and just, I'm just excited about what the day is going to become and, and greeting new guests because it's, it is a marvel to see when you come up here. Yeah. You know, and I've been through Pennsylvania and it's a beautiful, beautiful um, state. There's so many great areas and, and uh, you know, you guys are, are, um, you know, overlooking some beautiful views of uh, Laurel Highlands. And uh, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, the courses here. So let's talk about, first off, uh, Mystic Rock. This was, uh, uh, as as they put it on your website, this is the course of your dreams, one of the first uh, Pete Dye, uh, uh, of the two Pete Dye courses there. Um, And again, it sort of spans some of the scenic uh, views, if you will, through the Laurel Highlands. So talk about uh, again, it's a championship-level golf course. Um, tell us a little bit about what makes it unique, what some of the, the challenges of this course, and is it something uh, for every level of golfer can play? Well, it is, and that's what I like, that you know we can stretch it out, and uh, we've hosted our section club pros here just this past summer, and uh, West Virginia University golf team comes out and, and practices and plays. And, and you know what? I think, you know, that's, I love the flexibility of both courses that we can set it up to be a, a really good tour test. But also, if you're playing from the correct tees, it's a lot of fun for any level of golfer. You know, we're, you know, hats off to our superintendent and his staff, Chris Anderson. Uh, I would put them second to none, you know, through all the superintendents I've had in my career. He's uh, by far the best. And, and, you know, and he's a good golfer. And I think you you've got to have a superintendent who loves and plays the game as well. I think that's, that really adds to their passion to what 
they want the golf course to look like. So we're, you know, we're, he wants it to be tour quality, tour conditions every day. Um, the bent grass is extraordinary. Our greens aren't overly fast, but they're always in tremendous shape. You know, we get accolades uh, for really year-round of how good quality tee to green is. And uh, we just finished um, a bunker renovation on Mystic, which came out really great because we needed not only for um, operationally, because we had some drainage issues because the bunkers were pretty mm. old, but there needs some reshaping as well. And, uh, you know, longtime architect with Pete Dye, Tim Liddy, has, has been on property many times, and he kind of navigated the vision for what we wanted to do. So we really reduced a lot of those massive desert-type bunkering mm-hmm. that Pete was known for and also the very small ones to where, you know, your ball's in the bottom, but you can't stand in it. <laughs> so. Right. We just made it a lot more playable. And uh, and so I, I wanted to get, you know, once, once we finished the renovation in July, had a lot of better players that have played it throughout the years and for the last 10 to, to, to 20 years to, you know, come out and just see what they thought of the renovation. And to a person, they said, it's so much better. It's so much better than what it was great before, but it's so much right. better now. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Um, and it's just, you know, I think you, it's a classic golf course, meaning it's all out there in front of you. Um, mm-hmm. It really is. So I can just see, to me, it looks like, you know, I could see Snead and Hogan and Nelson walking and playing it. It just reminds me of the, kind of that bygone era of those of those pros that we all looked up to. I could see them. It's that kind of golf course, even though it was built in 95 it you know mm-hmm. it, it feeds that soul that it seems like it's been there a lot longer yeah it, it obviously has a classic look um which you know again feeds into that and and, and just to go to a point that you you mentioned a, a moment ago and uh, about playability and you know I, I have no doubt you know given who pete die uh was in that uh that the ability of, of putting together a golf course, but I think for a while a lot of golf courses were um, aesthetically very beautiful and, and very picturesque, uh, but you know presented a lot of challenges for our everyday golfer, and you know right. for the even for the advanced golfer. So I think it's it's good that with the renovations that they've you know they've still kept the the ch- some of the challenge and some of the beauty of the golf course, but you know they've dialed it back in some ways to make it more playable. Um, and, and that's why you got the response you did, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, we had a lot of holes where there were bunkers left, bunkers right, everywhere else. And, you know, mm-hmm. P. Dye was more known for really having bunkers down one side. So we really, we went with kind of that thought and feeling to just keep it down one side. And predominantly, most of our bunkering is down the left side. So, you know, Eight mm-hmm. out of ten golfers do what? They fade and slice the ball. So right. it's it's going to be a right. playable for all. Or you could be like right. me. I right. think it, it could go anywhere. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know, I, I noticed, too, that, you know, there's obviously some very strategically placed water. But, again, it's, it's, uh, it's very aesthetically pleasing uh, and certainly, again, pr- provides a certain amount of challenge, but not so much. Well, you know, that's one of the – right – there's water out there, but there's no forced carries with it, except there's one right free. 
so they're all on the side. It's visible because, you know, Pete was always coming at you, you know, with that visual intimidation, you know, just it doesn't look like there's, there's a fairway there. Where do I go? But then when you get up there, there's a lot more fairway than you thought. Right, exactly. So, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and that makes, that makes it fun. I mean, you want to have something that looks like it's presenting a challenge, but then is, is in a roundabout way, is actually more forgiving than you, you first anticipate. And I think once you Correct. have played that first 18, and especially if you're going to be there for a little while, you can look back and say, okay, you know what, now I get it. Now I see the layout and I have a better understanding. The first time I'll, any golf course, I don't care where it is, is always going to be present certain challenges because you don't know the lay of the land. Yeah. But once you kind of get a peek right. of it and, and, and say, okay, yeah, you know what, there's a lot more ferry out there. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, not as, I'm not as intimidated by those bunkers or that water because I know there's a lot of uh, good, safe area to land my ball out there. So next time I step up on that tee box, I know exactly what I'm going to do. So let's move on to Shepherd's Rock. Um, uh, I'm seeing that. looks, again, very picturesque uh, and beautiful. What are some of the challenges here? and what, what do you think was the thought process um, that uh, when this was put together? Obviously, you know, again, it's very visually uh, beautiful. What was some of the differences, if you would, from Mystic Rock? Yeah, Shepherd's Rock is really fascinating to me, uh, opened in 2017, because they were originally looking at just doing nine more holes. And so I'm so glad, you know, this many years later that they decided to make it 18. But the really fascinating thing I found out, Ted, in fact, they, I found a Google map on property is, you know, so many people have gone in and done a renovation of a current course, but there was a course here uh, early on in the property called the Lynx. And so the Lynx was 18-hole course that was out there, and they went and just designed shepherds over over the top of where the Lynx was, using all that land but mm-hmm. changing. There's, there's some similarities to, like, a couple of holes, but overall – because a lot of the guys that have played the length, and remember that, they said, wow, this is completely, this is amazing. I just can't believe that you would, that you did this on where this other course was. So I, you know, that, I think that's very unique and rare anytime now, because you usually see a renovation of whatever was there. And they just said, no, nope, right. we're going to do this. So, again, when you have a multiple course facility, I just absolutely love that these two are completely different. So, you know, Mystic Rock is kind of off across the road from the rest of the property where Shepherd's Rock meanders through the property. You you go out by the airstrip and you go down by by uh, where all the, the bears live. You, I mean, you can tee off near some bears <laughs> some more and some of the lions. Wow. So, and so there's a lot more elevation change. We kind of joke that you have to be – part sheep or part goat to play in some places because there's just some amazing shots that you have to navigate, ball above your feet, ball below your feet uh, all the time. And then the complexes are quite a bit larger than Mystic and just with a lot of run, run off, roll, false front. So it's, it's a different dynamic, uh, and it, but it's very unique. The front nine is a beast. There's three par fives on the front. So when you get warm, that like one and nine are from the back tees are six hundred plus. They're they're big. Wow. And and then so then when you get to the back, and I find this very unique too. So it's par thirty seven on the front, 
And then when you get on the back nine, it, you almost feel like you probably should put your driver away because it narrows down. You work through this little right. forest off the hillside, and it's just a completely different nine with a par 35 and ends with a fantastic par 4, pure peat die, you know, just looks like the green is just teetering on the edge of the water. So it's hmm. very unique, very different. And, and I constantly ask uh, people who come play them both, and, you know, it just depends on, of course, being a golfer, how you played that day, which one you like better. But but it's, it's, it's very close. It might be 60, 40. People like Mystic better just because, you know, the PGA Tour was there for so many years. And sure. And it's been there a lot. Right. Um, what I found out that worked out really to our favor was, you know, we were, we had many holes shut down for the bunker renovation because we had a lot of snow when I got here that didn't melt until the end of March. So the bunker renovation took a lot longer than we anticipated and we kept it open and the guys doing the work on the bunkers were fantastic and they tried to stay out of the way as best as possible. We moved the the heavy machinery out of the way on the weekends. But, you know, there were still a lot of bunkers out of place. So we offered everyone who booked a tee time at Mystic the opportunity to play Shepherds if they wanted, and several did. And they said, gosh, that was not a disappointment. In fact, I'm so glad we played Shepherds. So that was exactly what I wanted to hear because we just mm-hmm. had so many people that just wanted to play Mystic. So now I like the following that Shepherds has, which it should. It's, it's a great golf course. Well, and it, it gives a, a different perspective and a different different option. You know, a lot of times when you go to uh, a resort type uh, uh, setup, and if they have multiple courses, you know, you might have one is more of a traditional and one is more of a link style and open, but they're generally the same. Um, so this really kind of gives two different options of play, um, which is again, you know, equally appealing for somebody that wants to uh, have a little bit different experience each time that they go out. Um, in addition to some world class, yeah. In addition to some world class uh, play, uh, for those that might need a little tune up or need some help with their game, uh, you have a pretty robust golf academy at uh, Nemecolon as well. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. I, you know, again, just very fortunate. the The original facility was built, I believe, in the late '90s, and that uh, you know it's been. Uh, David Ledbetter, and, you know, it was even named John Daly Academy because John's been a beloved son of the, the Hardy family mm-hmm. and, you know, represented on tour for so many years. And he's still – I've already seen him twice this year. He's come up, and he's so much fun to be around, and he still moves that golf ball incredibly. I don't know how he does oh, it. <laughs> he's extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, you know, great bones of, of, of a building that uh, – you know, with everything that's going on and bringing newer golfers, uh, you know, we had a good opportunity to take advantage of not only improving what we were doing on the instructional side, but uh, create an atmosphere for uh, groups to enjoy gaming at night. You know, it's trying to, you know, kind of like a top golf experience. So mm-hmm. we were blessed with the original building it had, you know, 16 foot bays, which is pretty unheard of. So yeah. I have four 16 foot bays. Because, you know, most everything that's out there and the, the people that are getting into that business, they're mainly 10-foot bays. So a lot of right. space to deal with there. We had a really nice covered front porch, which we enclosed, 
and uh, made it into nice soft seating, flexible space for for banquet seating, food and beverage, and and so it's 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 a lot of fun. And all these bays, can, we can either you can practice or play inside through the sims, or we can practice or play into out because we can move the the glass doors away, and so you can go out. And we have you know TrackMan 360. So if you want to go out and out and still work on your data on your phone, TrackMan 360 gives you that opportunity to do that. And then we have a nine hundred right. square foot room in the very back, which again this was original <laughs> back to when it was originally built. Um, they put a little movement in the floor, so it's got some run to it as well so it's not completely flat like a slab and so uh you know we tweaked a little thing you know modernized it uh made it a lot of fun um because golf should be fun right dad <laughs> it right. is a game <laughs> it's supposed to be yeah <laughs> right and so and you know it never um because it was so seasonal it never had heat or air conditioning and we have that now so we you know we can we're, I'm so excited about the opportunity that we have to really wow our guests and improve their game and let them have fun uh, around golf when, when the weather is going to be, you know, a little chillier uh, than most. And, you know, and I'll go ahead and say this Texan is going to say when the snow finally comes again, <laughs> um, <laughs> that we'll have an option for them inside. And, uh, yeah, I did some of the photography. What's so great about, technology for us is we were able to do uh you can play shepherd's rock on on trackman screen now that's kind of neat too and we did that already mm -hmm. for a group group of guys that got rained out last month they said what are we going to do i said well why don't you just go continue around on shepherd's rock but it'll just be indoors so we can do that right. I said, absolutely so so it's really fun to have that option yeah and and, you know, because, you know, obviously Pennsylvania uh, doesn't have a climate like Florida, uh, certainly outside of the summer, that gives you another great option or, get, or you know, rather the guests have a great uh, option to be able to go in and do that and, and uh, you know, through the simulators and, and, and take advantage. You know, that's when technology is, is fun because, you know, you can, uh, when the climate doesn't cooperate, you can still go out and enjoy uh, this game and whatever capacity or whatever level you want. Um, I also noticed, too, through your academy, you know, we all uh, see this from time to time as instructors, somebody showing up and wanting to have a good time, and they've got uh, some very slick uh, golf grips, uh, or maybe they're misfitted with some of their equipment. Uh, you guys mm -hmm. offer some club fitting there uh, as well. Maybe you could just touch a little bit on that. Yeah, we do. So, you know, I've got a club fitter with us, and uh, I, I kind of inherited through the years a, a retired gentleman just down the street that does a lot of our extreme repair that uh, we're not able to do so I mean and he's he's been there for 20 years so so you know you know the challenges you know with the pipeline shafts and grips and everything but we've uh, we've been able to get through that and uh, yeah and, and you, you see it all the time it's it's just natural mm -hmm. for me but I meet I grab their clubs first see what the grips are doing and wow look at that worn out place where your thumb's been I mean we might right. want to take. <laughs> I mean, I think you know yeah. if more of the public knew how often the tour players change their grips, they might rethink that as well. I mean, it's critical. Well, and I think, 
Yeah, and I think, Kelly, to be honest, all kidding is – yeah, I think all kidding aside, though, I think some of the better players, uh, and I'm not just talking to tour players, but you know, even some of our scratch golfers or you know, uh, lower handicap golfers, they've they've come to an understanding. They they realize if they want to be able to to play well and you know compete in their club championship or what have you, that they've they've got to look after their equipment. But you get some of your you know 20, 15, 20, 25 plus handicap players and. They don't understand right. that, and they get. I mean, I've seen guys out there with grips that are, you know, 15 years old, and I'm, and oh, I'm like, I, yeah. I mean, you know, if you could, if you could rule that stuff out, you could skate on it. It's so slick. Um, yeah. So I've seen some, you know, victories this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, it's amazing. Uh, it is. So, yeah, we that that's a whole show in itself. Um, yes. So I, I want to talk about I want to talk about some other things. Um, you know, obviously, uh, when you're there, you're playing some great golf and, and enjoying some of the other amenities there. And one of them uh, that you touched on earlier is, uh, you know, a, a great spa facility, um, lots of things to do. So for those of you that want to pamper yourself a little bit, or maybe you're traveling uh, as a couple and, and um, you know, maybe she wants to, doesn't necessarily want to get out and hit the links, as it were, um, and she wants to just go and have a good time. Uh, you've got a great facility there, too. Maybe you could just uh, share a little bit about that. Well, if I knew more, I, I get my hair cut there. I can tell you that. So <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, well, I think, uh, you know from, <laughs> I, when, from my high days uh, down in Austin, we had a we had a lovely spa, but the one the one we have at uh, Nemecol and the Woodland Spa is incredible. I mean, it's world-class. Um, just the not only the catering, the pampering, uh, the staff is extraordinary. Uh, from Caitlin as the director, all the way down to everyone who caters to your every need. The 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 fitness facility looks like a grand museum. It just you just are overwhelmed by all the artwork in there. Uh, there's an amazing mobile that you just get transfixed as you're you're in there just running on the treadmill or or working out. And so just it's just another um, well-thought-out opportunity for our guests to just have an extraordinary time and want to come back all the time. The spa remains so busy because of the, you know, the level of, uh, you know, just the extraordinary level of service that they provide and um, all the different uh, things to do, not only for men and women. And, and, you know, and it's just such a lovely, quiet, re-energizing space. Which, you know, now we're talking about it, that I, I may have to go there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you I go. I may have to go in tomorrow. Uh, for... <laughs> and, and you've got so many other things. Yeah, I mean, again, it's world class at, at Nemecolon. And, you know, in addition, as I said, to the great golf, and for those that maybe need a, a game tune-up or need some help with, with their equipment, um, there's lots of things happening there. You've got, some uh, again, some great dining opportunities as well. Tell us about the peak. That, that sort of intrigued me. What goes on at the peak? Um, well, like I said, we have a we have a, we have skiing there, which uh, I haven't skied in 20, 30 years, and they shouldn't let me do that. But it's a great weekend getaway. We have a lot of families. You know, when I first came up here, they come up for that. Strictly, there's cross country skiing as well. Uh, the peak has great dining. Uh, we also have bowling and axe throwing inside the peak as well. So, a lot of great activities uh, there. Um, and we just kind of reinvented it. We, 
we gave it a new facelift and, and renamed it and because uh, it's the peak of the property and it and it can be this is coming from a golf guy it can be the peak of your fun while you're there yeah oh, i might have well brand that so. uh there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to brand that for sure. Well, I think what, what it really establishes for, for people that, um, you know, that want to go somewhere or want to have an experience, and again, uh, obviously, you know, predominantly you want to be able to go and play some world-class golf, uh, but it's nice to know that there's other activities there available too because, um, you, you know, you can't golf 24-7, and uh, as much as we'd like to, um, you want to have other things. So, you know, whether it's relaxing at the spa or uh, taking part. I mean, they, they've got everything from paintball to climbing, uh, you know, the wall, if you will, um, and zip oh, yeah. line, you know, off-roading, ropes, course, you know, all kinds of things, pools at the peak. So there's a lot of different things, um, uh, you know, available to for from a family experience um, that they can they can have there as well. And I think that's important. Um, right. And but uh, I, right. You know that we. Switch that hat from the transient side of the business, and we do the same thing with our corporate partners and and people that come visit her, us that you know want to celebrate everybody they work with or clients. Um, so we do that through a lot of group activities as well. So I, I just like how we can just meet and cater to not only the the family needs and the and the friends that want to come out and the and the guy trips and. The, and, you know, weddings are big, and I love the bachelor mm-hmm. party golf that we do. But they also they also do the shooting. I also do the other group activities at the peak and do the Jeep. So it's it's I love the versatility and how, you know, it's just not it's just not a one trick pony and it never will be. And, I, and that's that's what we celebrate with it every day. Right. And. Um, you know, you offer a lot of different uh, great offers and, and various different packages. So there's uh, a little bit of uh, everything for whether it's a spa and wellness package or a stay and play package. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, or even a sweetheart package you have available. So there's a lot of different options there, um, you know, for the consumer to enjoy. And as I said, you've wrapped it up very nicely with some great golf, which, of course, we both love. Um, so that it makes it, uh, you know, enjoyable to want to come out and, and, uh, and again, partake of, of that, and especially with some of the, the uh, improvements and adjustments, if you will, that uh, both of the courses uh, have experienced. They're even that much more memorable. So um, if somebody listening to the show wants to learn a little bit more uh, than what we've talked about tonight, what's the, where can they go to get more information? Uh, the website, nemacolon.com. Very easy to get to. Perfect. I can give them all my. Well, I can give everybody my cell number. You can call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't want to do that. I've done that too many times before, and oh, you'd be you surprised. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> trust me. Uh, they can go to nemacolon uh, dot com and get all the information they need to get there. But um, Kelly, it's it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed uh, having you on, and and I think you you've laid out very nicely a lot of the different. Um, uh, areas of of uh, the property that they can come and enjoy, and uh, I, I definitely urge uh, a lot of our listeners to uh, to look it up and and uh, just take advantage of you know if you're looking for a place to to go. And now I know it's open, uh, obviously you know all year round for certain things, but um, 
I guess pretty much April to October is pretty much your 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 best season. Well, you know, because I can't speak to the history, but yeah, that's basically what I've been told. Now, last year they seen our last round of golf was December 11th, so that gave me some optimism. So that's great. So we still, you know, it's it's glorious right now, and it changes all the time I hear. But you know. For, so as far as the golf side, again, we'll close Mystic Rock December 1st, but Shepherds will stay open and we'll keep the golf shop open year-round because, you know, we want to have uh, Billy to our guests not only staying in the Fallen Rock Hotel where um, the golf shop is, but also be able to to handle those. You know, if we get some days in the, in the 40s and where it's sunny, we'll be playing golf. And then, of course, uh, being able to answer all the questions people might have or bookings that they want to book the academy for instruction or, you know, having a group outing or individual outing that they want to just play Shepherd's Rock inside. And we'll have Mystic Rock online with TrackMan in December as well. So I'm looking forward to that too. Great stuff. And uh, again, thank you, Kelly, for joining me this evening here on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed hearing about the property and I'm going to make a point uh, of coming up and seeing you at Nemecolon and, and uh, partaking a little bit in the golf and, and uh, checking out some of the other amenities in the property as well. So I would definitely love to do that here uh, before too long. That. But um, but thank you for, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure and an honor, and I uh, ho- hope to have you back. Very soon. Very soon. Thanks, Seth. All right. Have a great evening. All right. That was my very special guest, uh, Kelly O'Donnell. He is the Director of Golf Operations at Nemecolon uh, Resort. Uh, it's a luxury golf resort in uh, Pennsylvania. And again, you can go to Nemecolon, and I'll spell it. It's N-E-M-A-C-O-L-I-N.com. Nemecolon.com uh, is the website. It has all of the information there. I strongly urge you to check it up. It's a beautiful, beautiful property. A lot of great uh, amenities there. A little of something for everybody. So check it out. And uh, I hope you'll take the opportunity to go up and visit them up there uh, in Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful property. Uh, again, I want to thank uh, both of my special guests earlier, uh, James Kyle and Sue Weger, for doing a great job on the Coach's Corner panel, as always. I appreciate uh, coming in and having a great discussion on the panel. And uh, I'm going to be back uh, next week with another panel and another great guest. So I hope you tune in. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. I'll see you next time here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.